What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Reasonably Outrageous. I'm your co-host, Matt Wired, alongside, as always, Blake Pace. Blake, how you doing, man? I'm good. Just in my car. There aren't many people around me this time giving me weird looks, but uh, yeah, <laughs> um, fun weekend. I know we don't really talk about it that much. Uh, you know, it's not really a sport that we discuss, but I have recently become very interested in, in UFC. Um, and wow. so I've spent the past two days kind of watching a bunch of old fights. I watched the main card last night. John Jones is back. Had a very uh, exciting fight, one that, you know, some people thought that he might have lost as well, too. Um, but, but yeah, fun weekend. I know we've got the XFL back into the swing of things. Basketball is uh, is heating up as we get toward the All-Star break and baseball's on the horizon. So first week without the NFL, kind of sad, but... Um, I think we've got enough to keep us alive through for these next few months. Yeah, we've got the XFL, you know, taking over that football need. I know you didn't get the chance to watch a ton of it over the weekend, but the D.C. Defenders were in action to kick things off on Saturday afternoon, and I listened to the radio for the first half and watched the second half. Uh, We'll go ahead and just jump right in here. I thought it was a lot of fun. Personally, I mean, I think there were over 17,000 fans uh, at Audi Field in D.C. for that game, which was a pretty good turnout. In fact, as I pointed out on Twitter, higher than the Orioles' average attendance last year. (laughs) Obviously, very different situations there. Uh, I don't expect the defenders to average that, you know, attendance all season. But it was pretty crazy that they were able to draw so many people, and it kind of seemed... Like, the atmosphere was pretty good. Now, whether or not the fans were just kind of sarcastically cheering or actually all in on the team certainly is up for debate. But I think they were smart in the way they chose some of these cities and that they're really just looking for exciting football right now. And D.C., which has just been at the bottom of the league for the past couple of years now in terms of Redskins' success, uh, they were excited to see winning football back in D.C. Cardale Jones was electric. I thought overall it was just a lot of fun. The rule changes and access made things very interesting. I think there was definitely going to be some speed bumps with this. But overall, Blake, what's your take? Yeah, and like you said, uh, and actually it was because I was, was in such a UFC wormhole during the day, I, I really didn't watch a ton of the XFL. I have gone through and watched highlights and things like that. And, um, it, you know, I think you take a look at this league and, and long-term success, of course, we're one weekend in, so it's hard to, you know, be sure of how um, this is going to be supported as it went on. I remember positive reactions about the AFL last year, um, and, you know, it kind of died down a little bit. I think that this definitely has a better chance. I think in one part, just comparing what we've seen from the AFL last year, I think it kind of paved the way for the XFL to have a successful weekend and probably a full successful first season. Um, it, it kind of showed the XFL that, oh, people would still be interested in football. We just need a better product. We need more financial security uh, than the AFL had and, and the XFL seems to be doing just fine in those areas. I know we're only one weekend in, but I think, 
just understanding that the AFL just didn't really have kind of the gusto behind it and, and the, the money backing it to really make it successful. Now we've got the league where the XFL, we because of the AFL, we know that people would be interested in football past the NFL season. And since they've got the financial backbone behind it, uh, I think we're going to get a much better um, product and you know a, a full season, hopefully, as well for the XFL. So you, are you referring to the AFL Arena Football League or AAF, the Alliance oh, of American I am so Football? sorry. The, okay. Sorry, the AAF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. My apologies. Yeah, yeah. No, I figured that's what you meant. Uh, just wanted to double check. So yeah. AFL actually folded too. So we're actually without a lot of uh, football because the AAF and the AFL both were done. Jeez. Obviously, the AAF kind of had a more spectacular fold. But what I found with the XFL is – so. Regardless, if you're going to start uh, an alternative football league opposed to the NFL, then you're going to need to have something to make it more exciting because you already know right off the bat that the talent isn't going to be the same. It's mm-hmm. going to be you know harder to promote the same co- content without the juice to back it up. So you, know, you lack a lot of big names and star power, highlight plays, all that kind of stuff doesn't really become as much possible. So if you are going to be losing that element, then you need to shake things up. And that's where I thought the AAF kind of failed was that it was just the same game with younger guys, unproven guys, guys who were looking for a second shot. And while that wasn't a valiant, wasn't necessarily not a valiant effort per se, it wasn't exactly going to entice a lot of people who were looking for competitive, exciting football because you were just getting a lot of uh, flags, a lot of interceptions, bad plays overall, a sloppy play, all that kind of stuff. And that was what kind of made the excitement for the AAF go down. Whereas with the XFL, they just have so many different rule changes that are designed to allow for more big Mm -hmm. plays, not letting uh, the runners on kickoff start running until the receiver has caught the ball or having extra points. You can go for one, two, or three touchbacks, put you all the way to the 35. You can do a double forward pass, uh, which I think, once that players start getting used to that and start implementing yeah. it, can be, re- be really fun. A lot of trick plays. And then, of course, there's overtime, too, with a five-round shootout. Team with the most points at the end, the five rounds wins. Now, we haven't had an overtime game yet, but that right there is going to be so cool to see just this ulterior format that kind of is like college, uh, but also maybe adding a little bit more exciting element to it where, you know, it just kind of creates – it's a different product – but it's one that is almost juiced, like I was saying, to the point where you don't need the talent of the NFL to create exciting highlights. You know, you can put these players who might not be as talented, might not be as good, certainly on the fringe of the NFL for sure, but not at that mm-hmm. level, in a position to succeed more often, especially on offense, to the point where you know, you're going to be having tons of plays that are going to appear in GIFs and highlights and stuff on social media that'll help promote the league. Not to mention that they have broadcast rights basically extending out to all of the the networks. I think we saw everybody get a crack at uh, showing an XFL game this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, the highlights are all over the team's accounts and stuff like that. So I think it's a, it's a good product. It's certainly going to take some time to see if fans stay excited about it. But I think as long as, you know, like the cities they're in, St. Louis just lost the team to the Rams, the Rams to L.A. a couple of years ago. So they're kind of looking for it. The uh, Vipers in Tampa Bay, they don't have a team. So it's kind of like uh, giving them uh, a a taste of it. Yeah. So, oh, the Buccaneers. Well, the Buccaneers are the Buccaneers. So, uh, you know, (laughs) something something to get excited about. Uh, Where overall, you know, I think they made some of these picks strategically. Uh, The games were exciting. Like I said, uh, you know, we had a close game in the first one. The defenders ultimately pulled out 
toward the end. We had a bit of a rout in game two, and I believe uh, the Guardians won 23-3 to in the third one, which was also interesting, uh, but I'll, I'll get to that, that in, a sec- in a second, one of the drawbacks from this. Uh, and then we have the Renegades and the Blackhawks going on right now, which I believe is in the third quarter, not sure. Uh, what the score is there, but overall, I thought they, it was just an exciting product, and is certainly a different change of pace in the AAF, and that's what I think gives it a higher chance of succeeding. Yeah, a, a few things that you touched on, I agree. We, we, if anyone was expecting a product in where the talent is anywhere remotely close to the NFL, then you're living in la la land. Um, but yes, it is a step up than the a uh, the AAF. Now that I've got that correct, um, the the biggest thing is that. I also like about this too is kind of an, uh, this off season of the NFL and the excitement of the XFL around it and some of the rule changes. I think we might be able to put a little bit of a you know pressure on the NFL in terms of like, hey, why aren't you doing this? And and a lot of them are a little outlandish, but the one that I think that I, I've loved so far and just you know even the idea around it is hearing an explanation during a challenge and what the I guess the people in New York for the NFL their thought process on confirming a rule overturning it uh, you know letting the the play stand um, they went to the booth for a game I believe it was earlier today I could be wrong it could have been a highlight I watched from yesterday um, but it was it was um you know, the guys in the booth talking through the play, you were hearing how they were dissecting, you know, what to do, whether to call or reverse the the, the challenge on the field. And um, I think that that's something that you could take and say, hey, look, we, we live where the NFL, you know, the refs are under the most scrutiny in the world and, and we don't really get a thorough explanation um, on certain calls. And, and I think that it would be a really cool idea to see, you know, Dean Blandino or not, not him. I know there's other guys now that are doing this job. I uh, I don't think we do. We know who their names are, but we know that there are guys in New York that are reviewing every play. Yeah, I'm and not sure I who. and I think that we can, you know, push. You know, like if this is something that we want to see in the NFL, I think that this the XFL doing so can help. You know, push the needle where where maybe at some point the NFL would consider doing so. Yeah, and even you know outside of officiating we were getting coaches being interviewed immediately following <laughs> drives to talk about how they found the end zone or why he decided to settle for the field goal i mean it was kind of insane we had a uh, the end of the dc defenders game there was a, a pick six that kind of sealed the win for dc and mm-hmm. literally the guy who picked it off don't remember his name but he was still holding the ball and panting on the sideline when a reporter was <laughs> over there asking him about the play i mean it was pretty crazy mm-hmm. to see that so i thought that was cool uh, certainly added a uh, you know different element. Now there is going to be some higher scrutiny because of that. Like in that Vipers game that what I mentioned before, I wanted to touch on. Don't remember his name either. Sorry, all these names are very new, so yeah. I'm still figuring oh, them yeah. all out. But the the Vipers quarterback was benched midway through the game, and he, neither he nor the coach were interviewed in that game to ask about why that happened. So there are going to be if you mm. are allowing this much access. You know, it's going to have to kind of go both ways or else you might be finding yourself under higher scrutiny for not providing enough uh, insight into some of these things, even if they're bad. Because, you know, you're already opening the door to it. You kind of have to swing it all the way open if you're going to do something like that. Yeah, that's an interesting way to go. And, you know... (laughs) I don't know. I, I agree it is pretty fun in the in the positive moments where you're getting a, a pick six and you're interviewing a player who has just done something good. Mm-hmm. Um, at, to the negative side, I, I think the player's emotions, I feel like we could be in for some, some negative reactions through that, um, you know, and some, some really bad moments on camera. So I'm not really sure if, if I, I mean, they probably did the right thing in not bringing it up. 
But because um, we, we still have to consider these guys are still playing football. You know, it's a, it's a more fun league. It's, you know, not as as um, as captivating or as serious as the NFL. But these are still guys that are throwing their bodies out there, risking injury on every play. So I, I'm not sure if I would be totally OK with trying to get some some negative interviews in there with players over being benched and things like that. But um, I do understand, like, if you're going to do some things, the idea of possibly doing, you know, covering everything on the sidelines but I don't know it's a it's a sticky situation for me yeah certainly and there are going to be some kind of boundaries that coaches are going to set for different media availability some might be more open to it than the than the others it's going to kind of depend on what the league mandates and how long this really lasts like I said 17,000 fans of defenders first game that was fantastic uh, showing for them I think Audi Field holds a little over 20,000 that's DC United Stadium Uh, so it's not a huge stadium by any means and it's not super hard to fill it out Uh, But at the same time, it's going to be interesting to see if that kind of turnout continues later into the season. Uh, It's not a long year season for sure, not as many games, not as many teams. Uh, But, you know, will this intrigue last or is it just going to be a fad, just kind of like the AAF was, just kind of like the first XFL was? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to be it's going to be kind of interesting. But, I mean, we saw a 54 yard field goal in that that game. I know I keep going back to the Defenders game, but that was the only one I really watched. And there was a 54 yard field goal, which only seven kickers in the NFL kicked a field goal longer than that last season, which is pretty crazy. So there were some highlight reel catches, some one handed grabs that I saw, huge hits. Uh, You know, those are the kind of plays that, you know, you only expect the NFL to make, but uh, there are certainly some guys who are showing that talent and, you know, presenting enough intrigue where I feel like the overall response so far has been pretty positive, at least on social media and media reports that I've read. I mean, I've seen a few gripes here and there with things like the quarterback situation uh, in, in the Vipers, but overall, I would say that the response has been positive and people, you know, are pretty excited to be having football on their TV screens after the Super Bowl's ended because it can be a long summer without, you know, a lot of that intrigue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm, I went to go buy a Defenders t-shirt yesterday oh, and they were all sold out of my size in every <laughs> single shirt on their website. So if that's wow. any indication, people are excited. I want one. I think I might go to a game at some point this year mm. uh, with a couple of coworkers. So, I mean... I'm not saying I'm buying in on them being, you know, an addition to the DC sports teams uh, yeah. per se just yet. But uh, you know, if they extend into next year and you know have a good season this year and have a you know start off next year well, like I I could see it happening. I could see it, you know, still being kind of a joke, certainly. But I think that's what the XFL is embracing. You know, X doesn't even stand for anything. It doesn't. It's not some acronym. It just basically means anything but the NFL is what the XFL is. Uh, so they're mm-hmm. they're just kind of embracing that thing, that WWE type, uh, not necessarily stage part of it, but the entertainment part of it, and just right. going all about the fan experience. So I I think they're on the right track. They just got to capitalize yeah. on this momentum. Yeah, exactly. It was a strong first weekend. There's a lot of buzz going. Now it's being able to keep that interest past you know the second or third week. Um, and like I said, the AAF had many reasons why it failed, but this also had kind of, it didn't have as much buzz, but the, the first reaction from the first two weeks in the AAF were like, oh my God, this is great. We're enjoying this. Now we got to see, you know, if the XFL can do that. I believe they've got a good shot of doing it. Um, and me personally, probably give it a better shot next weekend to watch stuff. I've just had a, a, I guess maybe a busy week and I just wasn't, uh, had different things that I was worried about doing over the weekend, but 
I'll I'll give it more of a try next week and maybe be able to give you a better update about watching it live and see what because I've only seen highlights and and read yeah. stuff up on it. So I, I'm kind of uh, still still on the fence about it, but I'll, I'll promise to give a more considered uh, effort next week and we'll report back and let you know what I think. Well, I'm excited to hear it. And speaking of a busy week, the Houston Astros' former employees certainly had to entertain a couple of big situations here. Former general manager Jeff Leno was the subject of a Wall Street Journal article that detailed the dark arts, quote-unquote, code (laughs) breaker uh, of their cheating scheme and how the front office was actually considered to be part of the team to put it all together. Now, there was nothing in the article that directly tied Leno to the actual schemes other than the fact that he was sent several emails about it. Uh, the, the emails were long and his response was that he didn't read them in their entirety and didn't realize that those things were mentioned at the bottom of the emails, which to his credit, they were five page emails, uh, which is just in and of itself, just crazy to think about having to read five page emails. But overall, it's kind of a smoking gun to say, like, you pretty much knew about this, and yet he has continued and continued uh, to say that he had no idea about any of the scheme or what was going on, didn't have any involvement uh, whatsoever, even though this may point to the fact that he might have actually been involved. Meanwhile, manager A.J. Hinch sat down with MLB Network's Tom Verducci to talk about how he feels following the suspension and subsequent firing of himself and Leno uh, and what he hopes uh, to get out of all of it. And first and foremost, he took heavy responsibility for what happened, saying that he, while he was the manager and didn't directly contribute and actually opposed it uh, in certain ways, he did not do enough to deter them. Uh, Some players apparently said that if they had been told by him not to do it seriously, that they wouldn't have, yet there is also a report of him smashing two TVs to show them that he didn't want them to do it. So to me, it seems like he had no control over the situation. The players were going to do it whether he liked it or not. Uh, and for the sake of his job uh, and his position, he felt compelled. He felt like he couldn't do anything and just allowed it to happen. Ultimately, he is paying the price for that. So I ask yeah. you, Blake, knowing all of these facts now, where do you stand on Leno and Hinch getting jobs in the major leagues again? Do you think either of them stands mm-hmm. a chance of, of being hired by another team following their one-year suspensions? So so fortunately, since they've got the year-long suspension, we have an entire season where more is going to trickle out about this. We are just at, at the... the I, I still think that we're at the baseline level of what we know. And, and even with stuff coming out like this in the last week, it seems like we're going to slowly figure out piece by piece throughout the season. And if that's, you know, when we get down to spring training and the players have to open up a little bit more about it, or, you know, some former players are starting to talk about it as well, too, we are going to figure out more pieces. These two things, you know, turn my way where I'm thinking, okay, maybe... Out of the two would be more likely if A.J. Hinch was to land another job. Um, To me, I I think that it would have to be further down the road, like not just past this year-long suspension. Um, Now, some some desperate teams might maybe trying to take a swing at things next year might want to bring him in as soon as the suspension is up. But, uh, you know, I'm on the side where... I'm on the side where now with these two things coming out, of course, the Wall Street Journal article and Hinch's interview, I would be more inclined to say that I think Hinch has a better job of landing another gig, but I'm still so sour on the situation as a whole that um, I'm in the mindset it's going to be difficult for either to to really significantly get um, strong interest by Major League Baseball to come back into the fold. 
You know, I think that Hinch, like you said, does stand a better chance. And, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that he organized this interview with MLB Network and has really come out and shown responsibility, I feel mm-hmm. like he's going to be, someone's going to be willing to give him a second chance. It just kind of can't be the Astros. This kind of reminds me, I mean, totally, totally different situations, okay? So I'm not, you know, making yeah. light of, of this other situation, but Kareem Hunt, uh, after, you know, the video mm-hmm. came out of him kicking a woman and uh, being cut by the Chiefs and basically falling into disgrace, he went and did an interview, which I don't think he took enough responsibility in that interview, in my opinion. Uh, but time passed and, you know, he showed that he was reforming and the Browns took a chance on him. I think that somebody's going to do the same thing with Hinch, again, those are various different situations, not comparing them in their merit by any means, but to say that Hinge could follow the same process uh, to where enough people down the line, the wound has healed a little bit. People have moved on uh, from talking about it all the time. Because, I mean, this basically, this Mookie Betts trade has really taken over the headlines right now, but that has still been the dominant storyline of this offseason and will continue to be the dominant storyline going into this year. Now, after the World Series and his suspension is lifted, we'll have a whole bunch of new uh, storylines. Players have, do, have done a crazy things. Might some playoff team, you know, made some crazy run. Who knows? Uh, and that will kind of allow have had a lot of people to kind of step back from the situation and then go back mm-hmm. to oh yeah. Hinch, like, last thing I remember him doing publicly was apologizing. You know, it's been a lot of time. Like, maybe he deserves a second chance. And there are going to be teams. I mean, this is an opportunity for a team that maybe wouldn't have been able to get a guy like Hinch uh, right. to come coach for them. You know, if if uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a team, for an example, the the Marlins, uh, who maybe they fired Don Mattingly, mm. and next year they feel like they're ready to take that big leap. Uh, you know, maybe they bring in A.J. Hinch uh, to kind of take that young core that they have and, and take that step forward. You know, something, something along those lines uh, of where he can kind of start with a new group, a young group, inexperienced group who doesn't know other managers and doesn't know the league very well, and he can kind of shepherd them and show that he's taken a step forward in his leadership. Yeah, I, I think we're both on the same page here. I, I guess you're more in the mindset, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he was able to land another job after this season. Um, it really is, it, you know, just what he does in the meantime. I mean, he's got the interview now. He, if he continues to publicly come out throughout the season and just sprinkle in his name a few more times where it's like, okay, he's doing that. He's doing so-and-so to be in better standing with Major League Baseball, and he's making all these things. By the end of the year, we could be looking at a situation, like you said, for a team that is looking to make the next jump uh, to bring in Hinch. Um, and, and I guess it just, you know, that team is going to be under, a, you know, a microscope. Um, you know, through Hinch's, you know, stay until he gets in, you know, I guess, complete good standing. Um, but it, it is going to be, uh, you know, we've got a lot of time to figure this out. There, there's an entire year left before we'll be seeing, um, you know, this suspension uplifted for the two of them. And, um, you know, depending on what their actions are between now and next winter, I think will play a huge role in how quick they're able to land new jobs. Yeah, and, and bridging off of that, I don't think Leno is going to get another job in baseball. Yeah, he he is going to be blackballed, in my opinion, uh, just because he clearly in his statement, both him and Hinch's statements came out the same day they were fired, and you compare them side by side. Hinch was basically saying, this happened under my watch, it's my fault, and I'm sorry. And Leno was saying, like, this was people underneath me who were doing this. It was all their idea. Don't blame me. 
for, yeah. you know, all of this stuff. And, I mean, I don't think, I think he's lost a lot of respect for the way he's handled himself. And whoever mm-hmm. his lawyers are need to be fired because that <laughs> yeah. was terrible, terrible PR management right there by him. Uh, and, you know, this report right here, and like you said, probably more things will come out uh, as the summer goes on. I don't think any of them is going to make him look favorable. We all kind of figured that he was, you know, more deeply involved than uh, what people have said uh, but obviously, as more evidence comes out, we'll be able to to make that determination. So for now, I'm going to go with Hinch does get a job. Leno doesn't. And Carlos Beltran, uh, he will have to get a job as something other than a head coach or a manager right. and maybe work his way up that way. But he's got to put some distance between the scandal uh, because obviously the Mets, you know, having to cut him loose c- couldn't feel like they were in a position where they could go into a spring training with him and, and it moved quickly behind them. They felt like it would linger. So uh, I don't mm-hmm. think that, um, you know, he's going to be able to job, find a job very quickly. Right. I agree with Beltran. He'll have to work his way up through the rankings in the, in the coaching tree, I guess, to get his spot again. What are your thoughts on uh, Alex Cora? What, what are your thoughts on his, his future? So we're obviously still waiting to hear what the findings of the Red Sox report is. I have a feeling Cora is going to be banned for life, and that's actually going to be the big. And it's going to happen right before spring training starts. I know it, and it's gonna it's gonna land right after the deals are like, uh, you know, everybody's kind of sinking in that Mookie's gone, and boom, you know, Boston fans are just going to be hit with this, you know, bombshell of uh, their former manager, their. 2018 World Series title, all tainted. Uh, it's just not going to be. It's not going to be a good week for Boston fans for sure. No. Uh, so I, I think that the commissioner's office is going to make sure he never manages again. But even if he only gets a one-year suspension or a two-year suspension, whatever it is, I don't feel like he's going to manage again. Just because mm-hmm. it was clearly his idea, and it's, it sucks because a lot of people say how great of a person he is. But oh, yeah. you know, he was clearly it was him and Beltron who were the guys that were orchestrating this, and he's kind of the face of it, if you ask me, uh, more mm-hmm. than anybody else. So it, it's probably the end of the road for Cora, unfortunately, but that's just kind of the reality we find ourselves in. Yeah, you read anything about Alex Cora, and it's it's all the charitable work that he was doing in the city of Boston to help out, um, you know, foreign countries um, and and Latin all America, of this. Yeah, yeah, Latin America. Sorry, all, everything that he was doing for them. Um, there was just a bunch of great stories around. People loved him, and even you know, you go back to Boston fans in the off season that they've been through. These are two players right here and for different reasons they're gone that that were just adored you know Boston thought that they were building something magical and I know last season didn't go great but Mookie was one of their best outfield their their most field um sorry what am I trying to say Mookie Betts was like one of their best field players and I don't even know how long you would say um you know who is the best Red Sox player uh fielder since him um but then of course you know a great personality as well and just to lose the two of them in the off season, it's it's been brutal. I talk to, um, I reach out to my brother just a, every other, you know, every few days, and he's a diehard sports fan, and you know he's lost guys throughout. You know he, he's lost uh, Randy Moss on the Patriots, he lost KG and Paul Pierce on the Celtics, and he is he has taken this Mookie one harder than any others, and I think it just speaks to the volume of the importance of him. Um, of course, the core findings as well to losing those guys. So it's been, you know, I know we're getting a little, I'm, I'm getting myself a little sidetracked here about just what Boston has gone through this off season, but man, uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty um, sizable loss, um, you know, for the Red Sox. Well, I have two things on what you said. One, do you know the year that the Red Sox traded Babe Ruth? Was it 1917? It was 1920. 
20. 100 years, yeah. 100 years ago, oh. this year. And nice. then we had the curse of the Bambino. So now oh. are the Red Sox about to be in the midst of the curse of bets, uh, where I... they maybe don't make another playoff appearance or a World Series title for however hey, long? I will not be sad. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> I won't either. Cause... And that was... No, go ahead. <laughs> No, yeah, and then you've got, you know, maybe the the fall of the Patriots dynasty coming through. This could this could be, you know, as you know, New England and Boston, they've become like the I guess villain uh, of, you know, sports fan bases over the last two decades. Everything has to come to an end. So if it comes to an end like this, uh whew, could be pretty interesting through, you know, the next several decades. And the, of course, the Celtics and the Bruins both have among the best records in their respective yeah. sports right now. So if they were to be early exits in the playoffs, uh, that Woo! would also, man, that would be a rough year for uh, Boston <laughs> be fans. Crazy. But, yeah, was, but part of my my rant uh, in the last episode was that I really just don't feel bad for them very much. Uh, that they're kind yeah. of spoiled in a lot of ways. So you know, oh, maybe they yeah. deserve a few years of of you know sorrow and misery like the rest of us uh that's just my general yeah. take but i didn't really like yes mookie Betts is an amazing player and trading him is uh you know a bit of a, a concerning sign for the league but i really don't think that boston fans should be as mad and upset as they are right now because they're doing mm-hmm. exactly what so many other teams including the yankees have done in recent years they're just taking a quick step back getting under the luxury right. tax and then going from there i mean it's really not like this out-of-the-box approach they're taking. It's been done time and time again by several teams in the league, and it just is because it's the Red Sox and they have you know such a big market and uh, won a title so recently, but they just won a title two years ago. You know, yeah. when, a, when a city gets a first title in a long time, like that team is in given a grace period of several years where, you know, if, if they're bad, it's like, ah, well, we just won it. Like, it's not the end of the world. Boston is... is not giving the Red Sox any kind of slack for that whatsoever. And you could say that as what their expectations are. And, you know, that's kind of how things are done in Boston. But, I mean, that higher level of scrutiny, I think, is just a tad bit unfair. Oh, yeah. I I agree 100%. They've been spoiled rotten for the last two decades, Boston, with all of their World Series appearances and and titles. Uh, New England, of course, the Patriots with, you know, the greatest dynasty of all time in the NFL, it's it's one of those things, you know. I guess they just and I think what bugs me so much is I see so much of it through my brother. It's this younger Boston fan base where all they've experienced in their lives is winning, and so now yeah. they're at this point where they're you know on Twitter and they're very active on social media and they're you know kind of you know pricks in a way. And and sorry if you're if you're one of those people that I just called out, but you know they're very uh, very showboaty. Um, with with all of the success that they've had, so yeah, I agree. You know, if you guys you guys got to learn at some point, you can't win every year, and not every move is going to be in the direction that brings you to another title. So I, I agree with the scrutiny of it. Like, let's let's take a step back. Well, it is worth saying that the trade as of tonight has been yes. completed. We're of course recording. I should have mentioned this earlier. It's Sunday, February 9th for you all. It's Monday, February 10th, but uh, the trade was, was completed tonight. Uh, Gratterall now sticking with the Dodgers, interestingly enough, the prospect mm-hmm. going from the Twins over to the Dodgers. Meanwhile, the Dodgers giving the Red Sox a player named Jeter Downs, yeah, uh, who's a top 100 prospect, which is hilarious that a Jeter, who is named after well, Derek Jeter, mind you, yeah. uh, is and going to be in Boston. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is funny. I, I'm not going to like that. Hopefully he just... Uh, 
he kind of flails out a little bit because that would be weird to have a guy named after Derek Jeter shortstop before the uh, Red Sox. So, but yeah, very interesting. Glad glad the trade finally went through. I mean, you you talk about. Um, you know, how it might have gotten a little murky the last few days where we weren't sure if the trade was going to go through, if they were going to have to rework it a little bit. Of course they did. But you've got a bunch of players whose lives, you know, they're, they're not sure if they do have to move to a new city or if they're staying put. And so it's it was a weird week um, with all of that yeah. trade, you know, buzz kind of going up and down and up and down what was going to happen. So glad it finally went through. Glad these players know, you know, where they're headed. And, um, you know, now they can move forward uh, respectfully. It reminds me of a couple of years ago when the Nationals traded for Trey Turner uh, in a deal that involved the Padres and the Rays. It was a three-team deal, but the Nationals acquired Turner by actually acquiring a player to be named later, but it was widely reported that that player was Turner, mostly because mm. there was a rule that said a player could not be traded until one year after they were drafted. So it was they were going to be sending uh. Turner over once the next draft happened, uh, and Turner actually had to stay with the Padres system for like six months not being on that team they of course you know treated him respectfully helped him as much as they could but it's kind of weird that you have to spend you had to spend six months with a team that wasn't even going to be employing you uh long term yeah. and train with them and learn from their coaches and things like that uh now that rule has since been changed and they call it the ski the, the trey turner rule uh, because of that um and we actually saw that's how dance swanson ended up on the um Braves was he was drafted number one overall and then a couple of months later flipped for Shelby Miller and what was, was looking like a terrible trade at the time and still doesn't look good now um, with the, the Arizona Diamondbacks so uh, you know I think that it's a situation similar to that now I don't expect any rule changes to come out of this per se I mean at the end of the day it was you know leaks and reporters that were putting this out not the teams themselves or anything like that so right. it's hard it's hard for major league baseball to change anything to kind of fix that because that's just kind of the state of reporting and you can argue whether or not that's good or bad but i do think that you know it's mm-hmm. not going to change anytime soon no yeah and and kind of just a weird few weeks now that you go through it with um of course the tmz and all the the fake you know publications that went around the the tragic kobe um Mm-hmm. helicopter crash and it's been a weird few weeks for sports journalists you know throwing stuff out there like that but it's part of the business you know at the end of the day um in, in certain situations more so um you know lenient with this boston and and uh this boston trade and you know definitely we we talked about it and scrutinized some of the reporting around the kobe um passing mm-hmm. but but yeah just a weird few weeks for sure yep all right well last thing we want to talk about before we get out of here nba all-star festivities are going to be kicking out or kicking up starting i don't know whatever i'm saying kicking off. Be happening soon kicking <laughs> off that was what i was going for kicking off soon uh all-star break coming up uh and we just had team Le- Giannis and team lebron select all of their players both starters and reserves and early takeaways are that team Giannis has a gm who might need to consider Ooh. another career path uh with some yeah. of the picks uh that he made i'm just going to run through the rosters real quick lebron selected for his starting group anthony davis james harden Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, and of course he has himself. Giannis is being joined by Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Kemba Walker, and Trey Young. Now, 
Which, that just, I mean, come on, man. That's yeah. just the starters right there. It's and, terrible. And, and first off, it's also East versus West, so they really didn't do anything special like that. Now, the benches, oh, right. it's it's switched up where they did, you know, mingle within each conference. But, I mean, the starters, the way it folded out, it was just East versus West. But, yes, a, a very rough uh, look for Giannis. And he also had a bad draft last year, too. So uh, maybe he needs to uh, pass these um, responsibilities off to, to maybe an assistant or something. Yeah, well, I think it's more political than anything else. Like, oh, yeah. if Giannis, Giannis doesn't select Joel Embiid, is that going to be, you know, taken as a shot at him hmm. as being, like, not one of the best centers in the East or whatever? You know, like, that well, that's kind of what, what went across my mind when I saw the picks. Yeah, and you did you hear him take a shot at James Harden, too? Did you see that uh, comment? I did not, no. Oh, dude, it was hilarious. So when he was on TNT going through the picks, he's like, yeah, uh, I, I'm not going to choose James Harden. I want someone who will pass me the ball, you know, and then went pick someone else. And it was like, oh, damn. All right. Cool, Giannis. <laughs> just, holding back. Just come at yeah. James Harden. Yeah, just come at James Harden like that. I love it. All right, so what yeah. we're going to do uh, with these rosters is actually throw out the rosters that they made and redraft with actual two what we hope to think is competent GMs. Uh, we're going to yeah, go hopefully. through. Blake is going to represent Team LeBron. I will represent Team Giannis. Uh, and we'll pick our four starters to join us, talk a little bit about about that and then pick uh, all of our reserves as well blake are mm-hmm. you going to write down your team so that we can keep track and i'll write down my team uh yes i will do that that might be a good idea just so we can yeah. uh, keep yeah, track here open up my notes all yep. right i'm gonna flip a coin with my computer you're just gonna have to trust me heads or tails 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 never fails just all right like well and this time it was tails. Congratulations, nice. you get the first pick. Um, so we we'll right. go ahead and just get things rolling. Yeah, first pick. I'm I'm going where LeBron went. Also, I'm going Anthony Davis. Not going to choose someone that's not my teammate when he's available as a starter. So I think we're we're yeah. explaining these at the end, right? More in depth, right? So I'm just going to yes. say right just now, leave it at that. number one pick, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. I'm going to follow you with a player who has really broken out this year, Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel like he's been a fantastic player in every facet of the game, but we'll get more into that in a bit. Completely agree. Uh, I am going to come back at you with... Uh, ooh. Now, hold on. Now, I've got a question. Do we have to consider some of these guys in their seasons? Are we just picking players based off talents? Because there's a guy that I want to pick doesn't really take games seriously sometimes sits ones out so are we going just pure talent here before we get judged or what what should i be doing here it's however you want to construct a five-man roster so you have to think about uh who's going to be playing what position uh so just keep that in mind but i would like to think Mm -hmm. that all the players selected here will be playing in this game so however you want to go with it all right good then i'm going to go Kawhi leonard i'm going to say that he is going to give full effort in this all-star game despite you know all of his uh, um, load management during the regular season. So he's my second pick, joining AD and LeBron. All right, I'm going to follow you with Harden. Uh, Give me that point guard, even though he might not pass Giannis the ball that much. (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. (laughs) All righty, so I'm going to counter back with you, and I am going to take... Hmm. Give me... Damn. Give me Kemba Walker. Great season for him in Boston so far. I'll take him uh, as my point guard. All right. I'm going to follow you with a much-needed center and draft Joel Embiid. Fill out my front court alongside Giannis. All righty. And I'm getting a little small in my uh, in my backcourt, but I want a lot of shooting around LeBron James. I'm going to go with the rookie on a terrible team, but putting up great numbers. Give me Trey Young. 
And I'm going to go with a emerging star on a fantastic team currently oh, on a 14 yeah. game winning streak, and that is Pascal Siakam. So that's going to round out our starting five. Blake, why don't you give me yours? I'll respond with mine, and we'll talk them out. Yeah, so at the guard positions, I've got Trey Young and Kemba Walker. Uh, at small forward, LeBron James. Uh, well, at the two forward positions, LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. And then at center, I'm going with the big man, Anthony Davis. All right, I'm having a bit of an unconventional unconventional backcourt. James Harden and Luka Doncic. Luka will be my number two, not necessarily mm. his forte, but uh, I think having him out on the wing where he can make uh, you know some impact plays both from beyond the arc and driving into the lane gives us a unique look. But of course, we're going to be having a pretty dominant front court front court uh, with Pascal Siakam at small forward, uh, Giannis. Antetokounmpo, I always say that wrong, forgive me, uh, power <laughs> forward, and Joel Embiid uh, rounding out things at center. So I feel pretty good about that front court, uh, yeah. but certainly that, that perimeter defense against your guys uh, from beyond the arc is going to be tough. Yeah, yeah. I think just taking a look at these things, your your uh, backcourt is definitely more talented than mine. I think, you know, James Harden and Luka Doncic are two of the yeah. top, top six, seven players this year, wherever you want to put Luka. Uh, both have been tremendous. And of course, uh, I've got two very small guards in Trey Young and Kemba Walker. Both are great shooters. Uh, Kemba, a great ball handler. Trey Young, great with the, his handles as well, too. I really like my advantage up front. Um, I think, you know, LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard are two of the best defensive forwards in the league. Kawhi is, is locked down on defense. Uh, LeBron has also shown when he wants to, he can be locked down on defense as well too, and has been on quite a tear the last few weeks with the Lakers. Um, uh, you know, you think about him closing out the game with that step back three against uh, Golden State the other day. And then, man, AD and JoJo uh, up front at center is going to be a great matchup to watch. I think it was the one that we got to watch last year as well too. So um, mm. going to be a good matchup there for those two. All right, yeah, let's move over to the bench now, um, mm -hmm. which you would have the next pick, so however you want to go with it. Actually, the way that they did this is since I got the first overall pick, the ah. uh, person to pick the last starter got the first bench, so I will okay, pass nice. it over to you. Beautiful. Then thank you so much for gifting me the one, the only, the Damian Lillard, yep. uh, who will be a fantastic uh, addition to my backcourt. Yep. I uh, regretted immediately that I gave that away because I was like, oh, that's <laughs> that's far and away the best bench player. Yeah, the best pick. Yep. <laughs> yep. Hmm. Alrighty. So where am I going to go now? I am going to take a look. Looking up and down this bench roster, who do I want? What positions do I feel like I need better at? You know, I'm going to go with the, the biggest tryhard uh, in the All-Star game. I'm going to take Russell Westbrook. I need some size more at the guard position. This guy takes the All-Star game way more seriously than anybody ever should, um, and I feel like just the intensity that he'll bring will be a, a big one for me. So I'm going to go Russ Westbrook. Interesting, interesting. Keep separating Harden and Westbrook. Uh, certainly yeah. <laughs> plays into your favor there. Um, I'm going to go with a... Uh, player who might not be putting up the best stats, uh, but is going to have the best chemistry with uh, any player on my team, and that is going to be Chris Middleton. Uh, I've, mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of him, um, and certainly that's going to be a questionable pick, considering he was, I believe, the second-to-last guy picked uh, in the draft, so um, I'm going, Ooh. I'm reassessing my priorities a little bit, but I do think that Middleton uh, is a fantastic player and has that, you know, rapport with Giannis. I think he actually was the first bench player taken by Giannis. Um, in, was in he? Oh, I'm look, am I looking here. at him? 
Am I looking at it backwards? I don't even know. Potentially. I've got the order here that it was taken, and Middleton was uh, was number one by Giannis in the in the reserve oh, round. Yeah. Then all right. All righty. So let's see. Up again, I just took Russell Westbrook. I'm going to give myself some wing help. And this guy has been absolutely lethal the last few weeks carrying the Boston Celtics. I'll give him the chemistry with Kemba Walker. I'm going to take Jason Tatum on the wing. Um, and, and like I said, the last month or so, he has been putting on a show uh, for Boston. Absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, Giannis is going to get tired, so I'm going to need somebody uh, to step up and, and fill in for him. And that's going to be Brandon Ingram, who has been the breakout player Ooh. for the Pelicans this year. Big Brandon Ingram guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love Brandon Ingram as well, too. And, um, and of course, we got to talk about him a couple of weeks ago with the Zion episode. So certainly yep. a great score, and he's he's been improving a lot this year. Should should be up there. Uh, him and Pascal Siakam should be um, up there in the race for most improved player of the year this year. So great pick. Uh, looking down, I am going to go next with a guy that I just I, I love watching play, and I love the team that he is on, um, a team that I picked to finish fourth in the Eastern Conference. They might be even better than that. I'm going to go with Bam Adebayo down low. I feel like I need some more size uh, after, you know, I guess outside of Anthony Davis, my only big men right now are LeBron and Kawhi. So I'm going to take Bam, a hell of a player to watch, big effort guy in his first All-Star game, so I think he'll put out a good showing. Yeah, I you you we really need to talk about your Eastern Conference predictions, man, because you were pretty on point with the the Raptors and the Heat being you know real yeah. teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been feeling pretty good about that, and I, I don't I, <laughs> I know we haven't talked about it much. I've been kind of nervous in case one of them or both of them kind of Falls slow down. Off. But yeah. Raptors on a fourteen game win streak. The Heat are one of the better teams in the East, so it's been a uh, just been added fun uh, those two teams. Heat too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be interesting. It's certainly heating up. All right, well, I'm staying with the center position as well, and I've been kind of going back and forth between Jokic and Gobert. Uh, I love Gobert's defense and what he brings to the table, but this is the All-Star game where nobody really plays defense, so that kind of is negligible. So I'm going with Jokic, uh, who overall mm-hmm. is just the better uh, offensive player, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. You know, defense, like you said, it, it's not, uh, it doesn't exist it in matter. the All-Star game. So get the, get the guy that can shoot. Um, yep. I'm going to move over... And alongside Bam up front, this guy was taken last in the draft, but I think he's been under the radar as one of the better power forwards in the East as well, and he's been carrying a Pacers team without Victor Oladipo. I'm going to go with DeMontis Sabonis, uh, power forward, logging upside in my bench front court uh, with, with Bam Adebayo. I like it. I like it. Well, I definitely am in need of another shooter as well. Uh, I'm going to go with another Heat player uh, in Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler, uh, who has been making some real clutch shots for the Heat the past couple of weeks. Uh, certainly has been a big reason for their success this year. Mm-hmm. Taking a look at my bench, I do need a two guard, and so I am going to go in the way of Donovan Mitchell, uh, leading leading player for the uh, Utah Jazz a guy that has been uh, taking a step up in year three after maybe a slight, you know, it didn't really make a huge jump in year two, certainly has come up strong in year three. Uh, So he will be my backup shooting guard. I like it. I like it. And I'm going to stick with uh, my chemistry uh, that I've been building and draft Kyle Lowry, the guard out of Toronto, uh, Mm -hmm. to pair with Siakam uh, here. I've been a big fan of Lowry, and honestly, we are getting to the end of the line here. (laughs) Yeah, do, do do none of us want to pick Ben Simmons? 
<laughs> ben Simmons or Chris Paul, I think uh, yeah, they're the last two, those, right? <laughs> those are the last two. Where am I going to go? Well, it looks go? like, yeah, who are you picking there? Do you pick Gobert? Oh, is that, oh wait that a minute. No, Gobert is still available. So I've got two picks left, and you've got one That's since right. you went first That's in right. the second round. Oh, geez. So what two do I want out of this group? Uh, give, me, give me the offense. Give me Chris Paul as, I guess, my third uh, point guard on this team. Uh, or my my second point guard off the bench with Russ Wilson. So give me CP three. Uh man, I can't I can't draft Keeping... another center. I've already got yeah. basically <laughs> basically three. So yeah. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and draft Simmons. I've gotten beat. I guess like I've got a lot of teammate pairs here. So why not right. just go ahead and add uh, Simmons, who won't take any threes for me, but certainly uh, can add some value <laughs> in other ways. Oh yeah, definitely a great defensive player, good ball handler, and I guess that that, that makes good for me because uh, my my biggest uh, guy coming off the bench is Bam Adebayo. So give me the size of Rudy Gobert, good paint presence. Um, you know, it's funny that it's funny the way the end of this draft came out with with those two being the last two picks. <laughs> Clearly, the two least offensive talented players um, in in this uh, in this All Star class. But yeah, so give me give me Ochi, uh Sorry, give me Gobert as my final selection, and I guess my, my second or third center uh, for for Team LeBron. Man, I think Gobert deserved better than to be picked last. I think draft. so, too. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. It was more positional stuff than it was him being the glass pick. Right, yeah, so he was selected, and he was the, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four. He was the fifth player selected uh, in the reserves in the actual draft. We took him with the 22nd pick. Uh, so, yeah, Yikes. unfortunate for him, but but he, he got himself on a really good team, so he can be happy. Indeed. Uh, not good enough to, of course, beat Team Giannis, but, uh, you know. <laughs> well, go ahead and run through your, your bench here. Yep. Yeah, so my, uh, my bench five, Russell Westbrook, big effort guy, Jason Tatum and Bam Adebayo, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, three guys in the Eastern Conference that have had terrific seasons, kind of as younger guys coming up in the league. Um, same to say with Donovan Mitchell over with the Utah Jazz. I got his teammate Rudy Gobert in there as well, too. And then CP3, who'd have thought? Guy gets shipped who'd off to thought? Oklahoma City. Uh, they are in the playoff position, a team that I love watching. They're, yeah, I, I love teams that are weird. I know we're going to talk about them at some point. I, I love the, what they're doing with their three best players all being point guards. It's just interesting to watch. But, yeah, that rounds <laughs> out my bench with uh, Chris Paul from the Thunder. I, I, kept, I kept Chris Paul... And Russell Westbrook away from James Harden because I feel like all three of them kind of kind of have some some weird weird uh, love triangle stuff going on there. Yeah, definitely Harden <laughs> needs to be on his own squad, which of course uh, he is uh, in the real game. He'll be with both of them on Team yeah. James. So oh, great. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, um, my bench uh, in the backcourt we got Damian Lillard, Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. and Ben Simmons uh, rounding out a pretty solid crew. Uh, at our forward positions, we'll have Chris Middleton, Jimmy Butler, and Brandon Ingram. And then rounding things out, of course, Nikola Jokic. Uh, I think I have a pretty balanced team. I've got a couple of shooters, some guys who could make things happen with the ball in their hands, a ton of rebounders that I'm really excited about, including Simmons out of the guard position. So I think I will have the edge in boards. Uh, I think that's pretty safe to say. It's more of a question uh, of whether... Luca at the shooting guard position is going to be a difference maker, and you know obviously he'll be moved around a little bit. Of course, me being the head coach, I have that 
uh, you know, way of, of being able to manipulate things. I've already fired uh, Nick Nurse and I'm taking over myself. So, oh, good. Uh, good. Just so you all know. You have Frank Vogel, so that's up to you uh, as to whether yeah, or not you lovely. want to employ him. Uh, but I feel pretty good about the team, man. I don't know. I mean... I uh, got a lot of chemistry between these guys already built up. Uh, meanwhile, you've you've got a, a couple of players who are on opposite ends of a love triangle. So I don't know, man. There might be some some friction mm. for you coming in. Hey now, hey now. I've got a lot of competition on on my uh, my my bench is a lot of these young studs in the Eastern Conference. So there's some tension there between Sabonis, Bam, and Jason Tatum. They're all fighting for for better positioning in the Eastern Conference. But I've got I've got Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert paired up to calm them down. Obviously, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the best one-two punch in the league right now. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. You, you've got some better shooters on your bench than I do, but I think having Trey Young, uh, I, I think my starting five is is full of great shooters as well, too. And then, of course, you know, Jason Tatum's a good uh, spot-up scorer. Donovan Mitchell can create his own bucket. And then Bam and Sabonis have some range on him, too. I'm just uh, I'm a little worried at some point putting Russell Westbrook in. We'll just have him... Uh, take, you know, 10 consecutive shots and all be from three that he just, you know, bricks. But at the same time, if they can go in, he's a big effort guy. So maybe he can uh, get the running for uh, six man of the six man of the game for the all-star game. I feel like my team is capitalizing on who is the best right now. I would say Giannis, Luca, and Harden are three of the four favorites for MVP with Anthony Davis kind of routing out that group. So getting three of those guys, I think, was pretty key to me. Although I'll say mm-hmm. one player who I would have liked to have that you selected was Donovan Mitchell. I'm a big fan of him. I think his numbers aren't necessarily crazy this year, although he has been taking a step forward, particularly as a shooter. Uh, but I do think that he is just such a all-around talent one of uh, the more up-and-coming stars in the league who kind of gets forgotten because he's playing in Utah. Uh, but I, I'm a big fan of Donovan Mitchell. Would have liked to have him on my squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. And I think, I mean, obviously the guy that I would have rather have on your team, and I essentially gave him to you by not by not just taking <laughs> him for myself, uh, Damian Lillard, of course, uh, one yep. of the hottest players in the league right now is on a tear. And so definitely would have uh, liked to have had him over Russell Westbrook, but I'm not going to harp on it too much. All right. Well, those are our squads. Uh, we'll see how the game plays out. Maybe we need to create some 2K rosters and run some simulations. Yeah. See how like our teams it. do. Uh, yeah. I don't have 2K, at least the new one. Uh, I, have, I, I got it. the new NHL, uh, which we haven't played yet. Did I tell you I got it? Oh, no, I didn't know. Wait, are you a are you a PlayStation guy? I am a PlayStation oh, guy. Oh, yeah, we should. Yeah. We got we to link up. Yeah, um, and once Tom and I oh. move in together, you'll be able to play with us all the time. Oh, and, so. and I'll be able to kick Tom's ass just like I did when you all were in Nashville. Exactly. We both can. It'll be a, hey, a great time. Hey, one last note. This just came up. I'm not sure if you've seen on your phone. The Dodgers-Angels trade will not happen. Jock um, Peterson? Was, yeah, so that was, supposed, that was hinging on the three-team trade going down in its original format. Um, and what one source told Ken Rosenthal, I'm just reading off of his Twitter, uh, the Dodgers chose a different path after the Red Sox twins could not agree on Grotterall. Another um, said that the Angels Moreno grew impatient and pulled the deal. So um, that deal is not happening, and I guess they'll have to try and find another way to uh, to move Jock Peterson if they so choose to. So yeah, the, the interesting thing here is the Dodgers ended up actually getting more from the Twins than was originally going to happen in the original three-team deal, because it's technically not a three-team deal anymore. It was separate transactions, the Mayetta, the Mayetta trade, uh, in which now Gratterall goes over to Los Angeles, plus, uh, a, I think it's a second-round pick or something, plus, and then Dodgers send back $10 million along with Mayetta uh, for salary relief. So 
a bit of a different trade there, I guess. Now with having given up that money, uh, the Dodgers didn't feel comfortable giving up Peterson. I'm not sure why. This all doesn't really make sense. It's obviously just coming out right now. I don't know if I still expect Peterson to get traded. I thought it was going to be an interesting platoon already with AJ Pollock and Jock Peterson in left. Uh, so that still obviously could be possible if this they don't decide to trade Peterson, but uh, there's reports coming out that it might have been Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, who got impatient and decided to pull out. I don't know. Uh, obviously, excuse me, we'll find this out uh, over the next couple of days, but certainly uh, something odd to keep our eye on. Yeah, definitely put a little put a little wrinkle in this again, but at least we know for the most part that this deal is uh, accomplished. They're just going to have to fine-tune those pieces. just depends if they want to unload Peterson's $7.5 million salary uh, to another team to kind of save some cap with this trade. Gotcha. All right, well, that is going to do it for our show today. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us both on Twitter. Blake is at Blake Andrew Pace, where he writes for SB Nation uh, about Syracuse and the Colts. You can check out all of his content over there, uh, or at Stampede Blue, or at Troy Nunez is an absolute magician. Uh, for me, I am uh, at by Matt Wyrick. That's W E Y R I C H. Uh, where I am tweeting about D.C. sports, uh, mostly the Nationals. As I write for NBC Sports Washington, you can check all of that out at NBCSports.com slash Washington. All right, Blake, any final words for the good people? Oh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening again. Uh, One last plug because I plugged it Thursday. Quick Hits is coming back this week. Um, Since our podcast, we come out on Monday and Thursday. Uh, I'm not going to double up episodes. I'm going to do a Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. So first episode coming out on Tuesday. I'll be taking a look at the free agent quarterback class, uh, figuring out where some guys are heading. We'll do some uh, draft talk, too, and and move through. That is an NFL-exclusive podcast. So um, if you're interested in football, head over there as well, too. Looking forward to hearing it. All right, everybody, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. We appreciate it all, uh, and hopefully we will see you later this week. All right, thank you all so much for listening, and have a good one.